Turn to Philippians 2. We started it last week, uh, and we want to today look at God the Father has taken time to exalt his son, and I'm going to just review a little bit for you of the passage and then focus hopefully on verses 9 through 11. Um, Let me say something about uh, this section. He is telling us that believers aren't necessarily humble. Uh, And the church life doesn't necessarily run on humility. Uh, It can become a place of ambition, striving to be first, uh, who's number one. And the disciples, even going with Jesus to the Last Supper, were still competing for first place. I mean, can you imagine the Savior is going to be abandoned by men and God on the cross, and imagine the last thing him hearing is Peter, James, and John trying to figure out who's going to be in charge when he's gone. That kind of ambition was in those men. And, uh, and he, wa- he says in Matthew 20, it's okay if you're willing, if you want to be first. It's okay to have that ambition if you're willing to pay the price of being servant of all. Keep the ambition if you're willing to pay that price, but that wasn't on their mind. And uh, a newspaper article was written in Minneapolis in which uh, the writer said, there are some who naively cling to the nostalgic memory of God. The average churchgoer takes a few hours out of the week to experience the sacred, but the rest of the time he is immersed in a society that no longer acknowledges God as an omniscient and omnipotent force to be loved and worshipped. Today, we are too sophisticated for God. We can stand on our own. We are prepared and ready to choose and define our own existence. In this atmosphere, humility cannot survive, for when you get rid of God, you get rid of humility, and the second runner-up is man, and he becomes a god, and he can never get enough accolades, even if he has to kill you to get your worship. So that Humility is not a part of the human makeup. Let us begin the passage. So, if there's any encouragement, Philippians 2.1, in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, and of course, all these things are ours in Christ. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Not the same vote, but the same mind. You, you're thinking the same things about these things we hold in common. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Now, that is great moralisms. Uh, Buddha could have said it. Confucius could have said it. What they don't have is anyone that's ever lived it. These are just moralisms. You ought to think, put others before yourself. We used to sing a little song, if you want to spell joy, it's Jesus, others, and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. That, that's great. That, it sounds good, but you've got to be kidding. You're not going to make it on Wall Street quoting that verse. It's an alligator hunt. Who can get to the top the quickest, and it doesn't matter. I had a lawyer friend of mine worked for McKinsey in New York City, and he said, I don't know if I'm going to keep my job. Been with him for years, international lawyer in tax law. Why? I've got two or three boys now. I can't stay until 9 o'clock every night. I used to sleep at the office. I used to be the first in the morning, and the young bucks are determined to move me out, and they did. About 55, he was a has-been because he couldn't live at the company all the time. It's not easy to get to the top in this world. And so he's saying, put others first. Have the mind that prefers others, that you're not consumed with the selfish agenda. It's not all about you. Well, it sounds good, but then notice, this is the clincher. This moves it from just ethics and moralisms. Verse 5, and it's a command in the Greek. I am commanding you to think this way all the time. And how is that? I am commanding, I'm reflecting the Greek imperative. I am commanding that this mindset be among you and be yours that was continually manifested in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Watch. Seven steps down. Being in the form of God, the essential representation. He did not equality with God to be something selfishly clung to or grasped. Two, he emptied himself poured out his life, nothing left. Three, he took the form of a servant, a bond slave. The word is weak. It's really a bond slave, which in the Roman Empire was owned by the master, could not own property. He only had one will, the will of the master, being born in the likeness of men. This is a big step down when you're God. Being found in human form, he humbled himself. How much? By becoming obedient to the point of death. Not just any death. He didn't die of pneumonia. He did not die, uh, you know, of a disease. He died a criminal's death, the most heinous death in the Roman Empire, the death on a cross. Now, that's how far he came down, and the world said, it's not my problem. Uh, away with him. Away with him. I don't need this Christ. Well, uh, now we're going to pick up what the Father decided he'd do about the Son's humility and emptying. And he's talking to these believers. You're trying to get to the top when he got to the bottom. Do you want to go up? 
God was willing to come down. You want to put yourself first? He put you first. I want this mindset to operate and function among the brethren. And you men, Mr. Competitive, Mr. Macho, cut it out. This isn't a union hall. This is the church. This is where saints meet, and we meet around one mindset. We pick the mindset of Christ. And he says, this is what the Father's response to his son's humility. Therefore, God the Father has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the whole teaching. Here I'm exhorting you to think a certain way. I've given you the example of how Christ did it. Now here's the crown. The Father exalts the Son for the great humility and his death. You see, God the Father loves it when you honor the Son. It's the glory of God. You see, that's what's really tough. I know when I started preaching, uh, you want to get good. You want to be booked. And one day I read the line that says, no man can promote himself and Jesus Christ at the same time. You have to pick who you're going to promote. Do you promote a worm or do you promote God? Are you in love with yourself or in love with who you're preaching about? What's it about, you or him? Is it the messenger that saves or the message that saves? Is it the container or the content? He's the content. He's the message. He's the Savior. And he uses us weak, feeble human beings, which is a mystery of condescension by God that he pick up weak, scrawny men to represent him. You think this is the best God can do? He's got angels waiting on him. And just think, he wants you to get on the team so you can represent something you never have to apologize for, him. Now, the first thing the father says, I'm going to highly exalt my son. And in Greek, he uses the word super exalted. It, it, Paul made up these words. It, it, it's a Greek word with a, a, a prefix on it, a preposition, hooper. I want to get him higher than anything ever God. And he already was high, but after this whole condescension, don't worry, son, I'm in charge of the heights. I want to take you higher than you've ever been. You remember in John 17, he said, Father, I cannot wait until I resume the glory I have with you before I came. And the Father said, you not only will resume that, but I've got some super more promotions. The Father has highly exalted the Son. Well, he goes on to say, what about the Son? What are you going to do for him? Well, he said, I bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And this is an interesting verse. Uh, was that name Jesus? Well, that was the name of his humanity. And, and it was not uncommon for a Jewish boy to be called Jesus. Of course, Greek, Jesus. Uh, we got a lot of Latinos named Jesus. That's a pretty common name. Among the Hebrews, it was Joshua. 
He was simply named Joshua. It means Jehovah our Savior. And so it wasn't the name of Jesus that he bestowed on him. He got that at his uh, humanity. He got that in Bethlehem. So the father says, I'm going to bestow a name on the one belonging to Jesus that will be different than anything he's ever had before. Because on this earth, he's been called child of fornication. He's been called a son of Belial, that is the son of uh, the God flies. Belial was God, the God of the flies. You're no more than a fly. You're no more than the illegitimate son of Mary. We don't even have your dad around to vouch for you, and your dad couldn't even say he was your dad because he wasn't. God the Father was his father, but he's called the son of a devil. He's called the son of an immoral woman. All the names that Jesus is still called today, the name that's taken in vain, the name you curse Oh, how many men. He was all, you know, he was all right. He was a good teacher. Wasn't Jesus a good teacher? Well, he wasn't either. If he wasn't God, he was a liar. He said he was God. C.S. Lewis said he's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. You're not a good teacher to lie about who you are. You said you're the son of God. Demons were commanded, you've got to be quiet. Don't tell anybody in the neighborhood who I am. We've never had an atheist demon. If you're an atheist today, you're worse off than a demon. Poor boy. According to Psalms 14.1, you're an absolute fool for the fool, and it's the outrageous fool, an outrageous fool that can't take in anything. He's just setting his ways. I can't, I can't, I, I can't see him. No, you can't. You got your eyes closed. Open your, no, no, I can't see it. Don't want to see it. Don't want to hear it. You're a fool, and hell will be full of them, never acknowledging him for who he is. He's either a liar or a lunatic. He thought he was God, but he just had a fever stroke. You know, a lot of heat in the Middle East. Or he's Lord. He said, I want to bestow on him a name belonging to Jesus that will be like no other name. And then he goes on to say that uh, with this name that belongs to him, every knee will bow. Every place there's anyone that can bow, they will bow, whether it's in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. Even the unsaved mankind will bow to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as God himself. Even the underworld when you read the book of Revelation, there's millions of demons that have been incarcerated in the heart of the earth even now. From the days of Noah, they tried to corrupt the human race, and Peter said they've been incarcerated into a place known as a prison. They're there. Nothing in the demonic world, the fallen world, James said that Demons tremble at the thought there is a true and living God in this world. 
scary. And everything on the earth will bow. Everything in heaven, all spirit being, there's not anything that can bow that will not bow and acknowledge Christ as the Father's choice, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He, every realm. And then he goes along and he says, watch this. And every tongue will confess, now I believe this is the name, that Jesus Christ, the one you've known as Jesus, Mary's boy, who was the Messiah, Christ, he is Lord. He was never called Lord on the earth. The Father knew it all the time. But I'm bestowing on you the title that I want you to be known as, as Lord. Now, what's astounding about this is the name Lord is a Greek word, kyrios. And that was used of the pantheon of uh, Greece and Rome. Their gods were named Kyrios. By the way, the name of their emperor was Lord. You remember one Caesar Augustine? You know what the Augustine comes from? Caesar the August one. Are you impressed? August one. And so they put, they put all kinds of God titles. Matter of fact, in the first century church, the only way you could save your life if you were captured many times is the common thing was burn incense to the emperor and say this is unto the gods. And many of our brothers and sisters died because they couldn't burn incense to a beer man and call him God. They said, we have no other Lord but Christ. Oh, no, 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 no. You just got to be one of many religions. No, there's only one Lord to us. And that name came to be master. It was used of being deity. To be a Christian, you must confess he is Lord. Believe in your heart that the Lord raised him from the dead. Confess with the mouth that he is Lord. He, he's not Johnny come lately. He's Lord. He's creator God. He, he's entitled to be above every name. And so they will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, they, watch. You mean the criminal? The criminal of Golgotha, the, the sweating prayer, desperate man in Gethsemane, the bastard son of Mary, as he was called, he shall be called Lord. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every Stalin, Haman, Hitler, line up. He is Lord, and the Father has determined all of every demon that follows Satan in his rebellion against God. You will bow, and you will confess, He is Lord. He is the true and the living God. History will end with God's vindication of His Son. This is no illegitimate boy loose on the streets of Palestine. This is the Creator God. And you know whether you've ever put faith in Jesus Christ or not? Someday you will, but it will be too late. 
For at the white throne judgment, when he brings all the unbelieving world, uh, the brilliant uh, philosophers that said he's not God, just the pagan rowdies that he's not God, he's not God, he's not God. At the white throne judgment, God has commissioned all judgment to come through his son. The Father won't judge you in the last days, but God the Son will be. Your judge on the final day will be the Son. The Father's committed all judgment to him. And he'll say, I understand here in the books that uh, you learn to deny my existence in your, oh, sophomore year of college. I hear that some Ph.D. talked you out of my existence. Well, he's standing next to you, and you're both going to make a confession you never thought you could make. I am Lord. I am God. I'm in charge. There's nobody holding court but me. And you will bow, and you will confess, but you will not become a Christian, for then it's too late. And also, dear believer, are you aware of the fact that every child of God here and throughout history in the world, turn with me, if you will, to Romans 14. Romans 14. And we look at a, I just have to read the passage for you to pick it up. And, and do any of you ever mark your Bible? If it's a pew Bible, go ahead. We won't charge you. Uh, I want you to just circle the word Lord as we go through the, the passage. Lord, okay? Now watch this. We'll pick up verse 5. The believers are they're having disputes among them over some believers can do one thing, another believer's cannot do this. Some believers can drink wine. Others, oh, it's a no-no, you can't. And so, those kind of issues. Some, you go to a movie. Some, uh, some you can't. I, I grew up, we couldn't do anything. If God caught you smiling, they'd make another rule. You, you know, so you, you never smiled at anything. You just, because we were serious. I mean, it's prayer meetings and revivals and prayer meetings, but you just didn't you just didn't do a lot of, couldn't get in trouble. We couldn't go bowling because they smoked down there, you know. It, it was a little bit different today. Uh, one person esteems one day as better than another. And this was, of course, the Hebrews, and then the Greeks had their whole, while another esteems all days alike, kind of like America. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now watch. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Do you eat in honor of the Lord? You might think of that. And, and don't be a pig. Since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. If you had a kosher diet, there were certain things you couldn't eat. Okay, as long as you can give thanks. And give thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself. 
and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, Master, in charge, both of the dead and of the living. Christ is exercising authority over the dead ones as well as the living, so that even those in the grave now shall worship him, they shall bow to him, confess him. There's nothing that is not under his control. Now watch. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? That's kind of an indoor sport with a lot of people, isn't it? Always judging other people. Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Do you like to judge? Well, you know what? God's got a special day for you. He's going to judge you. And he's going to judge you the way you judged others. Romans 2 said that. By whatever judgment you judge, you'll be judged. Now, isn't it something when it's our fault, we want mercy? We're kind of like the woman who told the photographer, do me justice, and he said, you need mercy. <laughs> you, you know, you, you really need mercy, honey. Uh, you, you want to cut you slack, cut you slack, but when we're critical of others, like I really, uh, have you ever seen people that you're critical of a guy's driving as you pass him? He's going too fast. You said that as you passed. <laughs> for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Uh, that is... Uh, an awesome thought. I mean, let's just, let's just imagine here. Unsaved man has no answer, has no defender in that day. But here he's talking to believers that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to evaluate us by our motive, by uh, our behavior, uh, he knows if you're racist. He knows if you're soberness. He knows. Uh, uh, he knows. All, he knows how you interpret the data. He knows how you interpret women. He knows how you interpret ethnicity. He knows how you view money. Money's all for you. You wouldn't feed a poor boy. What I mean, all of that. Come on. Everything of your insides out, you're going to come before him, and uh, I'm going to judge your motives, and we're told not to judge motives. You can judge my behavior, but you don't have the authority to judge my motives. First Corinthians 4, that is in God's hands, chapter 4, 1 through 5. We only judge conduct. Quit judging motive. 
You'll stay busy enough trying to figure out how people act, let alone why. Now, I tell you, do you think, let's, let's just ask yourself, we're believers. Do you think any proud believers will come before him? Are any people that uh, see themselves as better than others? See, pride is never content to be good. It always has to be better. And so that according to Romans, pride always underestimates those around you. You've always got to be better. Would it surprise you that you might be just average? How would you settle on that? Average. I often say I never see a sticker, I'm the proud parent of a C student. <laughs> well, man, I hope for that. On, I'm kind of like Irma Bombay. She said she cried when their kids passed the eye test. Are you average? Are you super? So what if you were average? Would that be okay? What do you think of yourself? What do you think of others? And then how do you think Christ carried himself? And do we carry ourselves this way? I can't tell you how many uh, men in the preaching vocation have become statistics of has-beens because we get to believing our own press reports. We think we're better than we are. You get a gracious congregation like you that have stood with me 45 years. I must be somebody. No, no, oh, I could do it that way. Or just say, he's gracious, but my goal, my goal is to model Christ. And if I model Christ, am I a strutter? Am I a reverend or am I a servant? And you don't know that. But he, Jesus, and I are going to talk about my motives. When I was young, I prayed, keep me straight on morals. I was only 15. I started preaching, and it's torture to be a young, saved Christian boy in Richmond and San Pablo. Nobody was being pure in my neighborhood. And they was trying to get me through the Holy Ghost. Talking in tongues was easy. It was keeping your pants zipped that was hard. That's really took the Holy Ghost. Sure enough. And then motives. Because my dad despised so many preachers because they were cocky. And he always warned me about cocky preachers. Then uh, money, and in those days, I sure wasn't being tempted with money. I, I borrowed money in gas stations, go preach for youth groups as a boy, and then never give me enough money to pay bridge toll. I pulled in the gas station, but in those days, bridge toll was 50 cents. I said, Lord, I don't want to love it. I need it but I don't want to sell out for money. And I knew a lot of preachers were always talking money, money. 
why am I here today? Have I broken my covenant that I'd preach for nothing? Or am I for sale? This church has overwhelmingly treated me. I could almost be embarrassed that you've been so kind. It only keeps me greatly indebted to pass on God's goodness. How has he been to you? And when you stand before him and he asks you, why did you do? For if I offer my body to be burned and I'm not motivated by love, it's wasted effort. You were just making a show. If I should give up all my goods for a show, for display. You see, the motives of the heart are so sacred, so deep. It would be like uh, you don't know the deepest love and respect I have for this Christian woman I married as a boy. You don't know. Oh, it's just too deep. You just don't know. So we have this exalted Christ, raised from the dead, ascended back to heaven, seated at the Father's right hand, going to come again in glory and power. And God is saying, I'll have the final word. You will never go so low, but what I won't take account of it. I'll take care of the promotion. You take care of the stooping. Wear the towel. Do the stooping. And even in this life, in this life, you should never be paid well. Treat it with respect. He said, if I took care of my son, I'll take care of you. The way of Christ is that of humility. Would you sign up if you had to wait till heaven to get your reward? Would it be worth it? And pray we get sound equipment. Is it all right? Okay. Yeah. Wait. Why did you sign up? Why don't you serve? Is it you're too, you're too important to serve? I never forget when we were uh, up at the uh, Garrison School. When we were there, we were going to renovate that building. We were going to buy it. The school district let us stay there. They only let us lease it. But it was with the option to buy. Then they decided to reactivate it. We wound up in this dumpy theater in Rodale. But when we were there, I went by. Come on, Tim, fix me, would you? Just a moment. We hired him to do this. Got me? Right there. Make it, make it stick. Good. That's a hint for me to stop. The sound man worked that out. I'll deal with you later, Steve. Uh, is that when we were out there, we were recarpeting, painting, and I went to, uh, I think it was the men's bathroom. And there on her knees was Ruth Fox cleaning out the men's toilets. The Foxes were the wealthiest people in our church, worth millions. But I'd never seen a woman that was so willing to stoop. 
so willing to stoop. And now she's in a senior's home in Marin and waiting for the Lord to call her in Elton home. You're no greater than how much you're willing to stoop in this kingdom. That's why degrees and titles are worthless in the household of faith. It's the degree to which you would serve a brother or a sister and give up your own fame because we live for one name, and that's Jesus, the name above every name. That at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and I hope us poor preachers will be there. I just want to be there and hear him say, you actually did some things in life for my glory and not for your self-centeredness. Oh, how much of life has been spent for self? How much have you been willing to spend for him? And if you do it for him, i say this in closing. I'm done. We were talking one day, Larry and Tim and I, we were talking, and, and Larry brought up this point. He said, uh, how... How can you feel close to God? How can you get close to God? He said, the Bible says get close, but he said, I'm a married man. He said, I can touch my wife. I, I can embrace her. I, I know she's present. She's close. I can get my hands on her. But he said, sometimes I say to Jesus, you're not tangible. I can't get my hands on you. How can I get close to him? I said, probably the closest you'll ever get is get next to somebody that's indwelt by him. It's called your brother and your sister. I feel the closest to Jesus when I'm with someone that loves him. That's the closest I'll get until I see him face to face. Dear brother, dear sister, when I see Jesus in you, it makes me homesick for heaven. That's why I miss my dad and miss my old sister. I saw so much Jesus in him. Drove me to 15th and Cutting every day, every Sunday for church, for prayer meeting on Thursday night. I saw Jesus. My sister, making $5,000 a year, would get poor white kids and black kids on the south side. She'd get us to the zoo. She got us to San Francisco. White trash and black kids in the 50s weren't supposed to be at the zoo. But a girl that poured herself out, she has to wait till she dies to get her reward. But I'll stand with her around the throne someday, and you can be sure the Lord will take care of the rewards. If you stoop, you go low, he'll take care of how high he'll get you. It's so good to have you. I just pray that you'll celebrate, maybe have a wonderful time of praying this New Year's Eve. Don't keep any Jack Daniels pouring down the drain. And uh, just celebrate that you know Christ and that you want to give him the rest of what's left for the rest of your life. Our Father, we thank you that we're privileged to serve the exalted, humbled Christ. He is the attraction. I know we're not the best church, don't have the best preacher, don't have the best this, best that, but we do have the best Savior, the best gospel, the best Father, the best promises, the best there is. It's all in you. 
You are our best. Be magnified in our body until we see you face to face. Amen. God bless you. So glad you came.